When I was on my pastoral internship, uh, I served in a community called Pemberville, Ohio, population 3,600. It was legit a one-stop light town, one gas station, one small grocery store. This was a rural farming community. Uh, and, and in the church that I served, there were, there were a good number of people, but probably half of them were all related in some way. There was maybe five big families that had been in the community for, for a long time. And farming was their primary source of income. And when the fall would come, which was harvest season, it was all they could talk about. Now, most of the time I had no idea what they were talking about because I'm a city boy. Like, I just go to the grocery store and there's food there. I don't really consider where any of that came from. And so they would talk about crop yields and, and soil conditions, and, and I would nod and, and smile, and my eyes would, would sort of glaze over. Uh, but I was grateful because I had, I had known theoretically that there were people that grew food, but I had never actually met one. And so it was, it was a great experience uh, to, to be there. Uh, and and they, they would talk about bumper crops, which a bumper crop is a crop where there's going to be high, a high yield. And one of the challenges that they had when, uh, when there was a bumper crop, which they were grateful for, and yet they weren't always sure that they had enough people that worked for them to harvest the bumper crop. Because you only have a short amount of time to get the harvest in before things start to decay and degrade and you, you lose what, uh, what you had. And so if workers were hard to come by, the families in the community would band together and help each other out. That even though they had enough work on their own farms, they would look to others. And, and if there was somebody who was struggling to, to get enough workers for, for their harvest, they, they would send one of their, you know, one of the cousins or, or they would, after they were done, they'd go late at night and, and run the combine. They would pitch in and help one another uh, and look beyond their walls and not just focus on what was going on at their own farm. And what they had come to trust, because they had all lived there for their entire lives, was that there would be times when they would have margin to give, and they would do so, and that when there were times when they were the ones in need, that there would be others in the community who would have margin to give to them. In Jesus' day, farming was how large numbers of people earned their living. And so they knew well the, the rise and the fall of, of crop yields, the, the blessing of a bumper harvest and the struggles of a meager one. Which is why when Jesus proclaims that the harvest, his harvest, is bigger than they can imagine, it was both a captivating and a challenging image for those who would have heard it. He, he uses harvest as a metaphor for the impact that Jesus wanted to make in the world. Now, it was captivating because as Jesus traveled the countryside, proclaiming the good news and, and, and sharing about God's kingdom and, and bringing that kingdom into the lives of people, those who followed him had a front row seat to the impact of his words and his works and his ways and yet Jesus tells them that this harvest that they were, that were witnessing is only just the beginning. That it was beyond what they could imagine. And they were captivated by the imagery. But it was also challenging. Because Jesus makes it clear 
that there is a need for those who follow him to join him in the fields where the harvest is ripe. And as his disciples are named in Matthew chapter 10, it is very easily imagined that you could replace any of those names with your name, with my name, with the names of those who would be followers of Christ. So we're uh, continuing our sermon series that we started last week. Uh, The sermon series is titled Beyond, and we're looking at the different beyonds that Jesus calls us to as we follow Jesus into the life for which we are created. And anytime we're called beyond our current reality, there is resistance that we feel. We immediately go to all of the things that we lack that we think will keep us from following Jesus, from going into that place that we are called. Sometimes there's a lack of time, a lack of energy, a lack of resources. Sometimes it's really just fear or doubt that keeps us from wanting to go beyond. Sometimes it's just our own comfort. And we like to be comfortable with our reality, and so we resist this call to beyond. And not only is there a call on each of us as individuals, but there is a call to go beyond as a family of faith, as a congregation that God has called together. God is calling us collectively to go beyond. And so our theme verse for this series is a a promise that whatever the beyond that God is calling us to go, God is always with us in that beyond. And so let's read this verse together. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So in our our reading this morning, this moment in our text, Jesus looks out at the crowds who have begun to follow him. Uh, and, and he has compassion because he, he, the scripture tells us they're like people without a shepherd. People who were lacking in vision for where true life was found or people who were lacking in access to that true life. Now, amongst the the crowds that were following him was a subset who had gathered around him whose lives had already been changed. They were beginning to discover the difference that Jesus would make in their lives. But while they had discovered that difference, they had not yet been called or empowered to join Jesus in making that difference, to play an active role in the work that Jesus was doing. And so to that group, that subset, Jesus says four things. The first thing he says is that the heart, the size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine. Now at this stage of Jesus' ministry, we don't know how big the group was that was following him, but it was big enough for Jesus to direct his disciples' attention and to say that the harvest was even bigger than those who had gathered and for them to be amazed and captivated and challenged. So you have to believe that there were a lot of people there who had followed, were following Jesus around. And what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see is that the the possibilities and the potential for impact 
was much larger than they had ever imagined for their own lives. He's trying to reset their expectations, to expand their horizons for their expectation of life as simple laborers in the first century who would not have expected much for themselves beyond just the day-to-day, waking up, going to work, eating lunch and dinner, coming home, dealing with whatever craziness was happening in their house while they were gone. And while our lives are significantly more complex, I would say, than what happened in the first century, I do wonder about our expectations for our lives. Do we expect that our lives are made up of going to work and coming home and eating dinner and then allowing the cable television to wash over us as we gently drift off to sleep? Is that our expectation? Jesus casts a vision beyond the ordinary and that's where the captivating comes. But then the challenge comes because he says at the end of verse 37, but... There are few workers. Now, up until this point, Jesus was the only worker. And in pointing that out, Jesus says to those who intend to follow him that he does not intend to do all the work by himself. Now, could Jesus have shown up and brought the kingdom and everything that comes with it all by himself? Yes, he's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants. But he chose not to because it pleased and pleases God when others join in, when we join in and take part in the work of helping Jesus change the world. Pointing out that there were few workers was Jesus's way of levying challenge for those who followed him to join him in the work of the harvest. And it would make sense that in that moment, he would be very directive and he would go to certain disciples and he would say, I want you to do this and I want you to do this and this is your role and your gifts are, are for this so I want you to do, that, do this thing and, and you over here, you can do something too and this is what it looks like. It would be, it would make sense that th- there would be a recruitment drive, right? But listen to what he says next in verse 38. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to start working. He tells his disciples to start praying. He tells them that that by praying, that is what would make the kingdom work sustainable. What, what, what makes kingdom work sustainable what is, when it is fueled by kingdom inspiration. And the only way that that inspiration can happen is when the Holy Spirit stirs up within each of us and gives us a vision and a direction and a motivation for some corner of God's creation. Jesus enlists them to pray that God, the Lord of the harvest, would provide that inspiration to Jesus' followers to be sent out into God's harvest. And and that's the other important piece here. Jesus doesn't expect the harvest to come to him. He expects to go 
into the fields and do some work. And he communicates to his disciples that those who are inspired to join him in that work should expect not that the, that the harvest comes to them, but that they would go to the harvest. Corn doesn't just reap itself. I learned that on internship. It doesn't just show up at Meyer, even the big fancy new one that just opened up a few months ago. Workers have to go into the field and collect it. And just as Jesus did not call humanity to climb some ladder to get to God, but that God instead came down. God came into the field to meet you and I where we were at and calls us to go and do likewise. And then Jesus reframes whose harvest it actually is that he's sending workers into. It's God's harvest. It's Jesus' harvest. Jesus wanted to be clear that the harvest that the disciples were working for was not their own. The kingdom that the disciples were building was not their own kingdom. But it was God's. And the harvest did not belong to the disciples. The impact that they would make would benefit them for sure. They would get things out of the experience. They would be filled with the gifts of the Spirit that comes from joining Jesus in what Jesus is doing in the world. But really that impact was about bringing glory to God and pushing the boundaries of God's reign further and further out into the world. I think the reason it's hard to imagine going beyond your walls. Joining Jesus in the fields is that we think those fields are somewhere entirely different than the places that we already are. The places we already go. And so we think, gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. My energy is soaked up with all of the demands of my life. I can't imagine going beyond my walls. Even if I, I believe Jesus calls me to that intellectually, I, just, I don't know how to do it. I don't think I can do it. The reality is, the places that you already are and the places that you already go are the places that God has sent you. You know you are at the center of God's will because you're there. It's where you are, whether you realize it or not. Every time you feel compelled to live in a certain place, every time you feel compelled to work for a certain company, to serve on the PTO and, and in the Chamber of Commerce, the nonprofit organization that you love, every time you feel the pull to talk to a neighbor, to care for a friend, to meet a need that you have encountered, that is the spirit leading you into that place. People will ask me, well, is it God leading me or is it me leading myself? And my answer is always yes. Because if the spirit lives inside of you, the same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead, that spirit lives inside of you, then somewhere in, in that is some version of the spirit's will and your will working together. That's the spirit sending you 
into the field. And in all of those places where you already are and you already go, there are people with spiritual, relational, and physical needs, and they're waiting for the help to come. They're waiting for someone to connect with. They may even be praying to the Lord of the harvest for workers to come. One of the challenges that both households and churches face is the temptation to only see as our responsibility what goes on within the four walls that we occupy. I'm going to take care of my business. I'm going to, you take care of your business, and then together we'll, 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 everything will be covered. And, and for sure there are appropriate boundaries that need to be set. But sometimes we can feel this way out of selfishness, or I think more likely we feel this way because we don't know how to help. We're not sure we can, given our own perceived lack of margin. And I think that's particularly true of the people that are in this room. My experience of you is that when you sense a call beyond yourself, I can say almost universally true, you want to do something about it. I've seen it time and time again in my near seven years here at King of Kings, when you see a need, you want to step up. There's an uncommon level of generosity that is in this place and and amongst us. And and it's remarkable. I think the issue for many of us is that we have a tendency to overextend ourselves, right? Because we want to give. We feel led to give. And that's why praying to the Lord of the harvest is so critical because you and I can't respond to every need, to every crisis. If we're saying yes to everything that's being asked of us, eventually we do burn out. When we do it out of obligation, when we do it out of uh, a fear of saying no, of letting people down. As individuals, we aren't equipped and we don't have all of the resources And there are others that God can send too. Sometimes you saying yes all the time keeps somebody else from being able to say yes. But sometimes we are the ones. Sometimes we are the ones who God intends to send into the fields. Sometimes the the places that we find ourselves, our, our jobs and our schools and our neighborhoods and our networks of relationships are the places that Jesus has sent us specifically to join him in the harvest. Sometimes we are the workers that others are praying for to go beyond our walls and join Jesus in reaping the Lord's harvest. We'll do so when we are inspired by the Spirit who moves in response to kingdom-minded prayers. The good news is that you are already there. Wherever you are, wherever you go, you're already there. Doing what you would do anyway. So why not bring some kingdom intentionality to it? Why not show up in that in that place, in those relationships, with the mindset that you are there as a worker for Jesus' harvest. You may not know what practically that looks like, but that's what the Spirit is there to do, is to lead you and guide you and show you. 
As a congregation, we have the capacity, we have the competency to be a place where those within your spheres of influence can find connection, can find community, can can find a cause to give their lives to. This summer, our, our, our leadership team, our staff, our council spent time in prayer and conversation doing some vision and strategic planning work around this whole idea of how we go beyond, how we work and join Jesus in the fields of God's harvest. And so one of our objectives for that is this. At King of Kings, we are an inclusive community that welcomes people of all walks of life. Here they develop Jesus-centered relationships and find their value and purpose. So there are, are three objectives that we are going to be working on in the coming years, and this is, this is the first one as an inclusive community that welcomes people of all walks of life. And there, there are ways in, in which we together can be equipped to go beyond our walls and our fields and into the places where those who are like sheep without a shepherd, where they can hear about Jesus, where they can learn about Jesus, where they can fall in love with the God who has fallen desperately in love with them. And you're going to hear more about one of those places just a little later on. But our prayer is for the Lord to send workers into the harvest, both from within these walls and beyond. That there's a bumper crop waiting that's beyond anything that you or I could imagine. And, and that can be both a captivating and a challenging statement. And so we pray that God would send workers to those places where the harvest is plentiful to do all the things that Jesus did to bring healing and wholeness and new life. And as you and I pray for workers, may you and I also be open to the possibility that we are the ones we are praying God would send. So I invite you to rise. We're going to just do a moment of, of reflection and then I'll close this in prayer on these questions. What field beyond your walls has Jesus sent you to? What kingdom work is Jesus calling you to do? And what help do you need?